first episode of Hot Mess, Alec Mappa with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an internationally beloved actor and comedian, and I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, which is just a lengthier way of saying I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a qualified professional. And I have no qualifications whatsoever. I am, however, qualified to discuss my own experiences with depression, anxiety, toxic relationships, physical abuse, codependency, alcoholism, drug dependency, and bad fashion. I wore parachute pants. <laughs> the list is endless. Now, like, don't worry about it because you're always working through it. The pursuit of health takes diligence and hard work, especially right now. The entire world is a hot mess. But we're going to zero in on some of our biggest fears, anxieties, issues, and discuss coping solutions and strategies because let's face it, underneath it all, everyone is a hot mess. <laughs> See what we did there? This is our first show. I'm so excited. This is our first show. And, and you know, we are like, we're, we're going to save the world. Basically, I'm because ready. our very first show, are you ready to save the very. world? Because our very first um, uh, episode is all about addiction. It is about addiction. So within the next 45 minutes, addiction will be ended. <laughs> I so can't wait to should, cure yeah, this we should have, problem. We should have started with global hunger, but addiction is good too. Well, we'll get you, now, we'll get um, our very first guest, I'm so excited, is my old friend, Kristen Johnston. Yeah. And you all know her. She played Sally on Third Rock, which is a kind of the very first transgender character on a sitcom. Yeah. Because her character was a, a, a male in a in a female's body, yep. blah de blue, blue, blue. But she also wrote the most incredible book, um, which I got. The, she sent me the galleys when it first came out called Guts. Mm-hmm. And it... It is the most authentic memoir ever about addiction mm. and and how you get there and what causes it. Now, as a clinical psychologist, yes. as a as a certified therapist, where what's your definition of addiction? Uh, like, did, what's the? How did I know we were going to start with that? Just diving right into uh-oh. clinical definitions. Listen, I'm, yeah, what, I, I don't I don't give like kind of lengthy clinical definitions and stuff, but this is just kind of what I'll say about okay. addiction. All right. Okay, so I think probably the most important thing about addiction is to just recognize the fact that on some level, it's something that we can just kind of like all relate to, right? So it's really just kind of like yes. any time that we're numbing out from negative thinking, from uncomfortable right. feelings, it's just easy to get kind of lost in that stuff. Like for me, uh-huh. for me, I can get sucked into my phone forever. I can spend hours yeah. swiping through all the social media. Um, yeah. Or I kind of- I once had four hours and 45 minutes on Instagram. In one I looked sitting? into my activity. Yes, and I was mortified. I was like, I'm officially, I'm, I've always felt like a 12-year-old white girl, but now I officially am. So, <laughs> is yeah. that why we're actually doing this show? Is this just again- That's why we're through? doing this show, so that I okay, don't have to look right, through your Instagram yes. feed. So that is your that is your addiction? Well, yes, okay. So, but it's kind it's, of vanilla. I'm eh, not very Okay, impressed. okay, okay. But the, the most important part, I think, is that it can become really problematic for us when it, in, with it when it interferes with our ability to just kind of like live our lives, to meet our daily responsibilities, that kind of stuff. But I think honestly, whether you identify as an addict or not, it's very easy for us to just kind of uh, get tunnel visioned on some of these labels. I think it's more helpful for all of us to just kind of focus on whatever that kind of like, uh, whatever's underneath that, like the compulsive escapism, why we need to run away, that kind of stuff. That's what's important. Yeah. Yeah, self-loathing. That was my big motivator, <laughs> how much I hated myself. It's like in my 20s, you know, it wasn't enough for, for me to feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. I needed relationships that reflected that. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, so 
boy, that was like, <laughs> it was a bumper car in my twenties. And, um, uh, my own self-loathing, my, my addiction was I'm a, I'm a recovering sex and love addict. Uh-huh. And as, 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 as sexy as that sounds, there's nothing sexy about yeah. it. It was really one of the most painful times of my life. I was really numbing out from my own miserable childhood, which if you keep listening to the podcast, you're going to learn all about it. It's, <laughs> it's a really, no, it's a cute story. I promise Buckle you. Up. Buckle yeah. up. Um, we're good now. I've been married to the same guy for 18 years, yeah. but you know, stuff for me, self-esteem stuff still comes up. Yeah, of course. And it does for everybody. And, you know, we can kind of express those insecurities, those issues in a variety of different ways. Our defenses show up very differently. I'm kind of curious, though, you said sex and love addict. I'm not sure that like everybody knows exactly what that is. But what was that for you? Wow. Okay. Well, um, I was very sexually precocious. I had sex at a very early age, 14. And I had nobody walking me through it saying, this is sex. This is love. This is sex. This is love. Now, with men, with dudes, it's... um, uh, full disclosure, I'm gay. I don't know if people <laughs> were able to figure that out yet. Um, and it and it's like with men, you could be a hole in the wall. It really doesn't make any difference. It's <laughs> well, they're actually personal. suggesting that that's what it should be right now yeah. during these COVID yeah, yeah. days, <laughs> right? That's how we stay safe. <laughs> well, you know, I am only being filmed from the waist <laughs> up, so you don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, Beautiful views. No, but to me, but to me, I was always seeking uh, seeking physically intimate relationships because I thought they were the equivalent of being loved and what it took for me to quit. And we're talking like a history of like 15, 16 years of me, of of this kind of like addictive pattern of always seeking, always seeking uh, that. Uh, It was entirely dangerous because it was during the the height of the AIDS era. So it's a miracle I'm alive. But what took me out of it was I finally dated a guy who was so dynamite in the sack and amazing and the most horrible human being that has ever been born. Mm -hmm. Like he was just so awful. He was, um, he was satanic. It was like, he was really emotionally abusive. Mm. It was becoming physically abusive. Um, we were doing a lot of drugs together. And then I was finally like, it, and I couldn't stop leaving. I couldn't, I couldn't leave him. Yeah. I was like Tina Turner with Ike. I couldn't, yeah. I, something, it, and it wasn't like it was going on like, oh, I have no idea that this is a terrible person. Right. I have no, I knew exactly Everything that well, was wrong that was, with it. But I that was your drug of choice, right? And it's when we don't actually have other tools to go for, we just go with what we know. And so when we're lacking yeah. more awareness yeah. and other ways yeah. of being able to feel more intimately fulfilled and that kind of stuff, you're just going to go for the sex. You're going to go for the one thing that's actually been giving you something as opposed to yeah. not knowing if you can get anything. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> and um, Was that your rock bottom? But, <laughs> was that guy your yeah, rock bottom? Oh yeah. No, you know what? It was, I think what, what happened was I realized I couldn't leave. Um, my mother had died, um, in 1992 and I saw him again and his behavior hadn't changed and he didn't ask me how I was. Oh, he didn't, you know, that any stranger on the street, if you walk, Oh, how you doing? My mom died. How are you? What's right. going on? He was like um, John Hamm and Bridesmaids going, I really got a busy day today. So <laughs> I have to leave. And I, that's when I realized this guy's a, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. And if I don't leave him now, I'm never going to leave him. And so I started going before it was called uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. It was called CODA. Uh-huh. I went Codependence to uh, Codependence yeah. Anonymous. And that's what snapped me out of it. The value in, for me in going to meetings was I would hear other people with similar issues and go, you know what your problem is? And I'd go, oh, that's me. I did that last night. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Whether, I mean, whether it's like sex, love, just these codependent relationships, however you yeah. want to call it, it's just so easy for us to throw ourselves into that when we really struggle to know what our own inherent worth is. We're right. grasping for anything outside of us or, to try to make us feel okay or to numb out from our own. Right. Self. That's the thing. It's the numbing out. I think yeah. that when you are high, when you are in this kind of like euphoric sense, it takes you so far away from the stuff that you're terrified of looking at. Yeah, for sure. That's the hot mess we're talking about. When you ask for wellness, when you invite wellness into your life, you have to go into the forest and slay all your demons. And (laughs) you know, that's what it is, right? Of course you do. Yeah. Listen, you have to go real deep. You have to go deep. And that's hard. And it's not necessarily you need to dive into the deep end straight away, but just being able to kind of start cracking the door open. And again, whether you identify as an addict or not, we can all relate to that, right? Like the shame, the insecurities, the fear that we don't measure up and just being brave enough to start questioning some of that stuff, cracking the door open and just being curious about it and then let that take you and you can keep building. You had me at shame. (laughs) Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Listen, we have an amazing guest. Yes, we do. I, I, she's she's so she's so fucking talented. Our guest today is an Emmy Award-winning actress known for her role as Sally Salmon on the hit show Third Rock from the Sun, which I love. I used to watch with my dad and stepmom when I was a kid. Love it. She famously also fell out of a window in Sex in the City. Iconic. Iconic. And currently stars as the recovering addict on the CBS sitcom Mom. But behind the camera, she struggled with her own addiction and has publicly spoken out to make a difference. And most importantly, she's my former classmate, my close personal friend. <laughs> we went to NYU together. And um, I'm absolutely bananas about her. Please welcome to the show, Kristen Johnston. Yay! Yeah. Where's the applause button? You look great. Thank you. Oh, my God. I haven't seen you in forever. I guest starred on Mom a couple seasons ago with uh, Ro- the Rosie O'Donnell uh yeah, uh, episode where you find out that Allison Janney had had an affair with her. Yes, and I ran the West Hollywood AA meeting. You were were you not on the show? <laughs> I was then not yet? on. No, I on it the last two years. When did Chuck add you? Whose idea was that? His or yours? Uh, it, it was his. They called me up um, and they asked me to uh, just come on for one episode. So I did, and uh, it was so fun. And then they they said they said after the episode they were like, "We'll have you come back. We're going to have you come back." Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was like, right, that'll never yeah. happen. We'll have you come back to replace all the che- uh, uh, scenery that you chewed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they, they, so they, and they actually did have me come back, which was shocking, and so it was fantastic. Isn't and, that uh, magical when that happens? It is because it, I, I'm always I of that so belief amazed. too. I'm always yeah. of that belief too. Like, oh, you were so great. We're gonna have you back. I'm like, kiss my ass goodbye. Never gonna yeah. see you again. I was <laughs> exactly. I did a guest star on Ugly Betty for once. I was replacing. Um, uh, I guess who wasn't available? Uh, um, who was the guy from Project One Way? Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. He couldn't do the episode. So I. That's so funny. I replaced Paul Abdul on Ugly Betty. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all the pinch hitters. <laughs> yeah. So I replaced, and they said we're gonna have you back. And then I was on for four seasons. So that was really really great. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what happens. You know, I was listening to you guys at the top of the show, yep. uh, at the introductions, and, you know, I was dying to chime in because everything you talk about, I connect to so profoundly, yeah. especially, you know, for me, I just wanted to say that the definition of addiction, mm -hmm. which I is nothing you can find in a book, it's something you do that makes you feel other, that makes you feel other than yourself but that you do to an extent where you no longer can then find who you really are. I mean, I know that's not- I've never complex. heard oh, it put that great. way. And that's the- that So that's what it is. is. For me, I mean, it's like any, it could be anything. And I frankly think every single human being alive or certainly in America is addicted to something. Yeah, that, something. Yes. that's Work, your first line whatever. in your book. Guts, the endless follies and tiny triumphs of a giant disaster, yeah. which um, I got the galleys. I didn't get an authentic copy, but that's okay. Oh, God. I'm well, happy get just you uh, looking I'll at it. I'm have, no, I'm fine with an e-reader. <laughs> I, have, I have cataracts, but yes. I know you're very busy as a sitcom star. So Alec, Alec, is, Alec is addicted to guilting. So there's, guilting. There's that too. So uh, you're perfect because today's um, uh, subject is addiction. Matthew, yes. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's your cue. That's my cue. Yeah. Well, Kristen, I mean, obviously we've been talking about the fact that, you, that you're on Mom. You play this Tammy Diffendorf character uh, who is dealing with her own kind of, you know, drug and alcohol addiction. So I'm kind of curious, yes. how much does your own experience with addiction, you know, inform that role? Yeah, it well, it plays a huge part because, you know, as an actor, and Al can speak to this, you try to connect to whatever character you're playing to as much as possible. So however you can connect to that person, you're like, oh, I relate to her. She's single or she's this or she has a kid, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you really try to like... Um, hone in on that. And for me, I really connect to the fact that Tammy is such a hot mess as I, as you guys, <laughs> as your show Perfect. is called, but she really is. I mean, she is the worst and she is just out of prison, which I can't relate to, but I can. can relate to, <laughs> no, I can relate to, I certainly should have been in prison yeah. for some of the stuff I've oh done, but I've never yeah. gotten caught at it. Thank God. So, um, no, so I, uh, but I love that about it. And actually the weirdest part is of all the actresses in the, in the main cast, I'm the only one who's actually, so you know, who's actually an addict. Uh, mm. So it's funny, like they turn to me, they're like, does this happen at AA meetings and stuff mm. like that? So that's been cool. And um, so it's just, it's been, it's the perfect job at the perfect moment in my life. Oh, so it's really been great. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. great? That never happens. Yeah. Were you able to yeah. finish the season or did Rona shut you down? Uh, Rona shut us two episodes before we we before we were supposed to end, so we almost got it all done. And we're going back to work in like a month, uh, supposedly. I mean, who really? knows? how much? I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious actually yeah. because you know, obviously, coronavirus. There's also all of yeah. the kind of racial unrest. There's just like a lot yeah. of intense stuff that's going on yeah. right now. Yeah. I hadn't heard. <laughs> <laughs> we're reporting news. Okay, anyways, but, <laughs> okay. but so you know, I'm just kind of curious, like. Does that actually affect your sobriety and addictions in any way? Like how? You know, what's weird is, uh, you know, I spent so much of my 20s and 30s out. And so since I moved to L.A. and I got diagnosed with lupus a few years ago, so mm. things have just really slowed down for me. And plus, I'm older now. So for me, it's honestly not much different. <laughs> I mean, like I have my friends, my core group of people that I love and hang out with and a bunch of dogs and a job. And that's pretty much been my life for the last few years anyway. That sounds but, um, perfect. That I know, sounds, right? That's like my dream life. All <laughs> that's I missing, am, I have the same scenario. All that I'm missing is a job. A job would right. be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. But see, 
the thing that, well, you do have a job. You have this. I, I jab mean, this. There you go. I have this. So, I'm a podcast superstar <laughs> from this day forward. Well, you will be. Yeah, you will yeah, be. Yeah. But, but I, I do want to say that I think, you know, speaking on social media, I have a lot, a lot of followers who are addicts who connected to me through the book and stuff. And a lot of people are struggling right now. So yeah. it isn't something I take lightly. I mean, I think you know, the isolating people who can't go to physical meetings, it's really, really challenging, mm-hmm. especially for people new in recovery. So one of the great things that I think has saved lives is Zoom meetings. Uh, are they having Zoom meetings for a friend? There are Bill? Zoom AA meetings and they are, uh, I personally have only attended one, but yeah. I have friends in long-term recovery who do it every day. I mean, they love it. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about getting sober or, you know, and they're like, well, maybe I'll wait till after, you know, the quarantine is lifted, you know, it, what a great way to try out recovery by going to a zoom meeting. You know, you don't even have right. to leave your yeah. house. You right. Know? It, make, it makes so, you a little braver by not actually having to. Exactly. Yeah. Cause when you I know, first started to, going, you don't have to turn the camera on. Yeah. You can just watch the meeting and just, just see what, ha- see what it's about. Yeah. When I first started going to meetings, I would show up at places where I feel like this is like the second location for a serial killer. They could, <laughs> yes. there could not possibly yes. be a meeting happening in this dirty, dank, dirt floor basement. <laughs> and then yeah. I would be the only person there. And then sure enough, like minutes before everybody would file in, but I would yeah, be like, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> this is I know, crazy. I know. Um, but then, you know, the thing is, it's also, you know, for me, I always thought like getting sober would be like 10 old men in a basement somewhere mm-hmm. with like one light bulb. And sometimes, and, but it's so not that, I mean, it really isn't. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's certainly in LA. I, I mean, sure. It's different everywhere, but, um, I've gone to meetings all over the United States pretty much at this point. And um, every time I've gone to one, and I'm not a huge AA person. I mean, it saved my life. And then I sort of, you know, stepped away from it for a little while. But it is every meeting you go to, I've gone to, I see someone or I've heard something that has really impacted me. So, Mm -hmm. And it's how I got away from that guy. Oh, good. And this was like the most toxic I've ever been. The meetings forced me to examine why I was doing Mm -hmm. it, you know, cause my dad hated me and I needed a man to approve of me. And it was really about like what you said. It's like, it's something that makes you feel other than you are because Mm -hmm. how I felt on my own, I literally felt like if I did not have this relationship, no matter how shitty it was, I would be nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, was, I felt I that empty. I, was a monster. I really felt, thought I was a monster, like a, an actual monster, it, you know? So I was just doing everything to not feel like a monster. Well, and, well let's, know, let's, let's, let's talk. I'll, I'll go, Matthew, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you're talking about feeling like a monster and, and all of that yeah. stuff obviously coming up and then, you know, going in the rooms and having to confront all of that, you know, kind of yeah. program. Um, what was it, if you feel comfortable to share, what was, yeah. you actually took a li- an actual look at that beast. What did you start to realize was? Oh, well, it's great yeah. that you brought, I mean, I, I there's the, the last chapter of the book I wrote, it, it guts is about that. About Everybody buy the book moment. right now. Go to Amazon right now. You can <laughs> like pause this. I, I swear it's one of, it's a, I read oh, it in a day. I read oh, it in a day because I have a short attention you. span. I have ADHD, yeah. which I'm actually on an Adderall right now. And I read it in one <laughs> day. It's so (laughs) thank you. That's so nice, Alec. Thank you. That means a lot to me. It really does. So uh, just to answer your question, you know, 
at a certain point early in recovery at AA, if you're really trying to do it, you sort of stand in front of the meeting and you kind of just share, you tell your story. And I was just so horrified. And I was like, I'm an actress and everyone will know me and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, going to the meeting, I was like, I'll only tell part of it. Like, I'm not going to tell this part. I'm not going to tell that part. I won't say that I, you know, how embarrassed this was or how shameful this is. So I get to the meeting and I end up talking and I tell everything. I mean, everything, like every bad, terrible, disgusting, shameful thing that I was so, I'd never told. What made you choose in that moment? What made you choose to just spill it all? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, more importantly, this day, but the point, the end of it is that afterwards and everyone was like, whatever, you know, like they clapped. It was so much worse in your head. Yes. 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 Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The fact well, they that just, you know, somebody just murdered a hooker last week. You know right. what I mean? Like they right. don't care. Yeah. Like, and the body's the still in they... the trunk. I don't know what your <laughs> story is exactly. about. I don't know why that's such a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Brene, uh, Brene Brown, like one of my favorite, one of my favorite. Yeah. Kind of vulnerability. Yes. Yes. Vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, the way that she talks about shame, kind of whatever that monster is for mm-hmm. us, for each of us, Yeah. that shame is basically like a fungus. Like it can only survive and thrive and grow in the dark. Yes. So when you actually yes. start to shed light yes. on it, that's how we, yes. that's we're how we start only, to kill it off. We're only totally as agree. shameful as our secrets. That's right. <laughs> it's true though. Now I, like, you're like, oh, I hope it's okay to ask this. I'm like, dude, ask me anything. anything. I swear All right. to God, I On have that no note problem. of yeah. asking yeah. anything, I want to talk about your book because I want people oh. to hear about this. And because there are parallels. When I read the book, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it was like, I knew you at NYU and we were like the people that nobody knew what to do with. Remember, yes, it yep. was me, you, yep. Molly Shannon, and Adam yep. Sandler, and, and Jessica Lundy. Jessica, oh, Jessica Lundy. Yeah, Jessica yeah. Lundy yeah, and Jessica yeah. Hecht. And so we would write our own shit and do our own shows. Yes, I think yes. the last thing I saw you in at NYU was Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Oh, my and God. And you were playing I the cat. so bad in that. Okay, in Mo- yeah. With Molly. It was you <laughs> Molly, and Molly. Yeah. So um, so in your book, yeah. um, you started talking about having this because this is what the bell rang for me. You had an addiction to alcohol and pills that began when mm. you were in high school. You say yeah. due to low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, I wa- First of all, I want to know uh, that, that happened to me, too, because yeah. I was out as a gay person. And at mm-hmm. my high school reunion 30 years later, they said, we thought you were so cool and you were so punk yeah. and you didn't give a yeah. shit. And I said, yeah. oh, I was stoned the entire time. Yeah. I was yeah. either yeah. on, on lewds yeah. or a Jack and Coke. Yeah. So, um, I can't imagine being a gay kid in America, like how hard that must be to come to terms with that. And but you the, can relate but, to being oh, a misfit. I mean, you can totally, relate to being, but, I, yeah. but man, I mean, Alison Janney is probably the only road. actress you've ever acted opposite who's as tall as you. She is. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's amazing. You know, the director calls us the twin towers of comedy. There you go. So I want to know in high school, Kristen, what yeah. kind of alcohol and what kind of pills? Alcohol, anything. Uh, no, not really pills yet. Pills was more in my like mid to late twenties mm. when I got a migraine and I was taken to Cedar Sinai by my boyfriend mm. and they gave me a shot of morphine and I was like, "This is the answer! Oh my god, I've solved all of life's problems. I'm going to be on this now for the rest of my life." Anyway, but no, in high school it was. I mean, I was a huge alcoholic. I just didn't know it. I was just the party girl. I, but I think in high school, you're just kind of breaking the rules. And then that spills yeah, over but into I also college. Was, I was so painfully, um, 
I, 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 what I see pictures of myself and I'm like, I was cute, but what I felt like, I felt like the grossest, exactly giant. I felt like a huge monster. Yeah. You know, I just did. I was not in my own skin. I felt ugly. I felt ugly yeah. and undesirable. Yeah. And I just, I just remember thinking all the time and so ugly. And yeah. I look at pictures and I look like a hooker. I'm so cute. And, and, but I was always kind of like, I think yeah. my, my kind of like uh, a toxicity uh, swept over into college and, yeah. I, and a lot of the behavior either kind of, I think got a little more magnified. Yeah. It's just all the funhouse mirrors, you know, that like when, yeah. when we were kind of just, you know, wrestling with our own demons or our monsters yeah. as it was, you know, yeah. that yeah. we, yeah. that we project that out. And then yeah. you know, we kind of like see the monstrosity that's the outside. Thing is like, if anybody's young and like listening to this or watching this, you know, uh, you, you, you are, it's so, I want to like go back in time and talk to the younger Alec and younger Kristen. And you were, you've probably always been perfect, but like, <laughs> always. you know, <laughs> but you no. know, and say to them, like, you know, look, the fact that you're struggling so hard right now pays off later because it's making you cool. It's making you smart. It's making you rely on something other than your physicality. Like, you know, it really made me read. I was, you know, I just became a better person because of all the horrible shit I went through. Right. Right. And, and like all those people who were popular in high school are just, are just they're disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it forced like any anything that you know kind of creates that shame for you. It forces you yeah. to have to dig deep and confront who you yeah. actually are. And to be yeah. honest with you, you know, I think probably in most, pretty much most every way, I kind of you know kind of operate from a lot of privilege in my life. But the yeah. one thing that was not that way for me was being gay, and I am actually so effing happy that that was the case for me because it's the one gateway to actual authenticity. It was the, it's yeah. the one thing that really had to force me to look at myself and to and figure it's probably out probably why you do what you do. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. in that case, you really do have two choices. I yeah. can be miserable or I can be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and when you have the courage to be vulnerable, when you have yeah. the courage to kind of like, like you said, go to those meetings and say the most yeah. shameful thing and have everybody go, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Next. But it takes it yeah. takes a lot of courage. And it's not just about making a choice, but it's also about having access to information. So even like a podcast yeah. like this, hopefully, yeah. if there's any any opportunity to be able to learn yeah. some tools and find some steps that you can take and normalize your experiences, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, that's what can get you there. Did you drink every I day? Think- Did you drink every day in high school? Me? Yeah. Yes. I mean, not every day, but yeah. I mean, I drank oh, a lot. I drank, and I, I, like, I drank to blackout. Yeah, I, sure. I, I I would get blackout drunk after school, but during the school, sometimes I love downers, and they used to have yeah. this thing called quaaludes. And yeah, I, oh god, oh, yes, god, yes. Those are. <laughs> I've never been a downer person. I'm an I, upper person. I, I, I would take. Down, I became an upper person when I moved to New York because it was the eight, it was in the eighties and everybody had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But wait, one thing I wanted to say about masks. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of face masks, but like you know, I thought for so long, I was under the impression that I should be whoever you want me to be. So I wore this mask of like funny girl, this girl, that girl, I was whatever you wanted me to be. And it took until like late twenties, maybe even early thirties to realize no one really wants to be around someone who wears a mask. They want to be around someone who's exactly who they really are. It's the equivalent of like when you're doing stand up. And I don't like hanging around stand-up comics who are always on. Oh god, yeah. that 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 to me is cringy. It's kind of yeah, like totally. we're, we're not at work. 
you're not in front of a microphone. No. Relax. Do you guys yeah. ever have to pay attention to yourself in social situations where you might kind of start to put it on and you have to concentrate? Oh, for sure. Back? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, all the, but you know, the thing that's so funny is the more you're authentic, the more that feels comfortable and the inauthentic person you are. Yeah all of a sudden becomes, you literally can't do it anymore. You're like, I don't know who that is. And then when you see it in others, in, in, in authenticity, yes. you're just like, like, okay, take, for example, Donald Trump. Like he's so, in, okay, I, we don't have to go down a political road, but I'm fine. Like, you know, to me, he's so inauthentic <laughs> that I just go, he's so full of himself and yes. full of shit that I just can't even watch him. Yeah. Like, I think he I, knows who he is. No, exactly. I, I don't think he, he never knows. took the yeah. mask off. Like that, the mask that's is... the epitome of privilege and just so yeah. wildly yes. ego-driven, narcissistic, just so lost yeah. in his own delusions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to yeah. lose the thread here. Matthew had a question about- um, <laughs> Pills? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, the pills. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, well you did, we, Kristen, yeah. Kristen you, were, you were mentioning about the pills kind of that time in your yeah, life, yeah, late yeah, in your 20s. Yeah, and so yeah, I yeah. never even heard of this, but I did, you know, in uh, preparing for this about, you had yeah. something, it was a life-threatening uh, thing called peritonitis. So that was, it's like your intestines were open and you almost yes. died. You were in the hospital. Tell us about that. Well, I was in London. You almost died. Go. it's a good setup i was doing a play in london on the west end it's actually what the whole book is about it's that's why it's called guts because my guts exploded so um i'm in london and i had taken so like you know seven years worth of pills by this point and i mean i you're your um, tolerance is, goes up so fast with those things that by the end I was taking just handfuls. You uh, said every four, hours. in the book. You said forty a day of codeine. No, no, way more, way more than oh, that. Oh I, wow! I mean, it went up to. There was one time I was doing like eighty a day. It was so. Wow. So is it like an Altoid? There's always one in your mouth. No, there's just I took. I would just take swallow a, handfuls like at a, a time. Yeah. All right. Exactly. My curiosity is, how does that manifest in you physically? What does a person on forty pills look like and sound like? Not great. I mean, I I was on I was so high. I don't, and it was a long time ago. But uh, what I do remember is I was in, extremely thin. I was uh, dark circles. I mean, I don't think you poo like at all. I mean, mm. from what I remember, not to get too TMI, mm-hmm. but um, I'm fine with anyway, poo. Yeah, <laughs> it really messes up your whole body. My skin was horrible, like terrible acne. And I was, you know, it was just a bad, dark time. It was right after Third Rock is when I got really bad. In London at the time, you could get over the counter, you could get codeine pills. So, you know, taking 40 of them equals one Viking and whatever. Anyway, you know, the, you become a chemist when you're an addict. Anyway, so I was taking a bunch of that. And about two months into my journey in uh on the west end right after opening night my stomach just gave i had an ulcer that i didn't know i had and it just ripped open i was alone Mm. in my flat and it was the most agony i'm like i mean you can go through and not and live i mean i think was it just it was it just an immediate sharp pain oh my god it was just like someone knifed me in the stomach were you alone i I, I was alone you were alone yeah and i had to crawl uh, in child's pose because that's the only way i could tolerate it to the guest room of this place I was staying at to try to find my cell phone. And, and finally that all, I mean, the whole, I go through it minute by minute in the book. It's pretty gory and disgusting. So mm. for people who like that stuff, that's my favorite and, part. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, but it was crazy because it was a really horrible thing to go through. I was in the hospital for two months. I, you know, I, in a foreign country, it was crazy. And, and the doctor um, he, said to you at some point, you might die. You oh, might, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, doc- the, the doctor said, great. didn't the doctor say to you, cause you were about to get up and leave. And the doctor said, yeah. I'm, I want to be really clear. If you leave right now, you are going yeah. to die. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, and then I did, then it got infected. So I had to go back. I mean, it was horrifying. It was just disgusting and really agony. And then, but then when I was finally fully healed and I went back into the show, they kept the show alive. <gasps> I, I know wow. I went back into the show. What was the show? It was hello, it was Dolly. <laughs> and you're playing Dolly Levi. <laughs> it's no, so no. nice to have you back where you belong. Then you fall down the stairs. <laughs> oh my god! No, it was um, it was with Michael McKean and Killian Murphy. It was a great show oh. called um, Love Song. Yeah, it was really good. I played Killian Murphy's sister. Anyway, so I went back in, like you know, a full skeleton compared to what I had been, and mm. like they they're taking in my pants as before I go on stage. But what was so amazing about it is I go on, I do the play and I get off stage and some friends were at the stage door and they were like, come with us. And even though I knew I'd never drink again, I had a, a martini that night. And that, that's the moment I went, oh my God, I'm never going to stop. Like even two months in the hospital, like I was like, oh, I'll stop now. But that was the moment I went, unless I get professional help, I am never going to stop. So that's, that's when I booked a bed in rehab. It was really hard. Um, Was it a nice one or was it the... It was uh, was a nice one. It was the Meadows in Arizona. The thing about addiction, it's like when I describe it to people, it's not like I know I'm making a... I'm I'm completely unaware I'm making a bad choice. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the impulse control not to. It's kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. How long were you there for? I was there a month. I think I should have been there longer. I think if I had it to do again, I would go back. Uh, and stay longer, but I did do so a sober living afterwards, which yeah. was really helpful. And um, so that was, yeah, that's that. For folks who don't know what sober living is, because I had a friend mm-hmm. who just went through that recently. Yeah. What is that? How how would you describe that to people who well, don't know what sober really, living is? It varies because it's it's not state run or it's not. Oh, there's no real oversight to it. So you can get a great one run by amazing people, and then you can get one run by like a full on using drug addict, which has happened to a couple friends of mine. So really research the place. But for me, sober living was amazing because it's, you know, when you're in rehab, you're away from the world. Mm -hmm. You don't have to deal with anything, which is important. I mean, you know, you're just looking at yourself, but sober living is more in between. It's like a halfway house, frankly, Mm -hmm. but it's like you, you live there. So you're in a safe place, but then you can go out, you go to work or you go to- And it's an actual house with your own room or do you have a roommate or- Well, it varies. I mean, for me, I had a roommate, but uh, it varies. It really does. It's, there are thousands of them all And is it, is it required as part of your recovery that, you know, no. No, what I would do is, you know, if you were interested in information, whatever town you're in, I would just Google sober livings in Alameda or wherever the hell you are. And then, you know, you can find, you can find more information. Again, they really do vary and there can be fantastic experiences like I had or horrifying experiences. Really check it out. Yeah. So wait, Matthew, you had one more question. I want I want Matthew to ask his question. <laughs> I don't even know what question you're talking about. I was it's, lost. Oh, I was just uh, lost. You lost to the conversation. conversation. This is our first podcast. I just don't want to step in any. any you guys, it's like this, you guys have been doing this for years. It's, uh, you Kristen, guys are both I feel better. 
This is oh this God. is my people pleasing bullshit. Okay. I don't, <laughs> like afterwards, was I okay? Did I talk too much? Um, I want to read. I want to read to you um, uh, uh, a part, a, a quote from your book because it really oh, sure. spoke to me. This oh, part, like I actually cried when I read this because oh. this this was my experience. Because at my highest, at, at my most messed up professionally, I was really mm-hmm. kicking ass. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I yes. just finished a Broadway Same. show. I'd yep. done a pilot. I was yep. in great demand. I was recurring on two different shows. Yep. I was doing really, really well. So this is yep. um, what I want to read. Uh, when I tried to check out, the doctor warned, let me be very clear with you. If you leave the hospital, you without question die. Um, as I watched the New Year's Eve fireworks over the London Eye from my hospital room window, grief overwhelmed me. True, real sorrow for finally understanding what I was, a selfish, self-serving, loathsome creature who did nothing to better the world. Finally, truly felt the weight of all the pain I had caused, all the tears that had been wasted on me, all the gifts that had been given to me that I carelessly frittered away, and all of the thousands of hours I had spent obsessing about something as ridiculously boring and stupid as me. 39 years old, totally alone, a wasted life. Mm. Well, that's all the time we have for today. (laughs) (laughs) But that feeling of the, the realization, you've been giving back, lady. Yeah. Bravo. You founded a charity <laughs> called Slam NYC yep. Sobriety, mm-hmm. Learning, and Motivation, where you mentor high school girls. Tell us about that. Well, it's actually now it's we've folded into another school uh-huh. uh, in Staten Island. So we really sober high schools make a huge difference for kids. And there's more of them yeah. now. There's a lot of them now. Yeah. We were st- starting out with whatever this was 10 years ago. No one would do it. Like, you know, all the insurance and what if a kid overdoses, whatever. So all that took a long time to fight. And uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I was early in that fight. But now uh, I've stepped away from it a little bit because mm-hmm. it's now become its own thing. And and it's uh, it's sober high schools for, you know, obviously teens, like there's some ridiculous statistic of like one out of every five uh teenagers is meets the medical criteria sure. for addiction mm-hmm. sure and you know to get sober in high school holy crap holy shit. so anyway they're a huge thing and i'm really proud of the work i did for that and i also you know i love talking to addicts and it keeps me sober i love doing the show about addiction so for me addiction has ended it started off being the worst thing that ever happened to me and it's right. turned into like the greatest gift that has ever been given to me is is my recovery. Did you yeah. recognize any uh, little Kristen Johnstons in the program? Oh, Were you able God, to go yes. like, I girl? Oh, honey. Yeah. Honey, I'm sweetie, sure you're not going <laughs> to, don't shit a shitter. But that's yes. so nice when you yeah. see somebody that you can projectively identify with and then you yes, can offer yeah. that kind of support that you know can yes. be helpful. And it also heals yeah. that like kind of inner wounded child within you. Yes, it does. Right? It, it really heals. does. The whole, you know, core of like real recovery is is helping others. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's like whether you're helping make the coffee before meetings or just ha- a sponsor yeah. or whatever. And that's how you get sober. So definitely. 
That's for sure. All right. Well, listen, I mean, we're talking about addiction. We're talking <laughs> about addiction. We've solved it. We've solved addiction, everybody. We have the answers. We have the answers. over. But, but what's, Let, but what's not... <laughs> what? Okay, but what's... I just say one Next thing. week we'll cite racism. I know it. <laughs> Let me just say one thing. I really hope... I hope you guys have me on this day every year from now on. It's like, a deal. I want to come on oh, for your anniversary yay. show. Anniversary it's a deal. Okay. Anniversary All right, show. Go. It's a deal. If the world still exists a year from now, (laughs) if Trump doesn't kill all of us, then um, yeah, you're an infamous uh, Trump tweeter. I know. Yes. Wait, you did. You did. You did actually just tweet recently. uh, Quote: It feels like this country has blown apart, and Trump lit the match. So, like, what do you think? What do you think is going on, and what do you think it's going to take for the country to be put back together? Well, I mean, obviously, voting him the fuck out, but you know, the ecosystem to animal hunting to trophy hunting, to addiction research, to uh, the Supreme Court, to abortion. I mean, his impact, his negative impact has been so huge that to get to get back to where we were at the end of Obama. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to take a long time. But But I, I also think of it as he's been a big purge for us as a country. Uh-huh. You know, we now are talking about race nonstop, yes. like yeah. it's a really thing. Right. And totally. we are talking about right. the legacy of slavery and the yeah. systemic Absolutely racism, right. yes. which has created this system. Yeah. And I don't think that if we had had, first of all, I don't think they would have let Hillary govern at all. Right. She would no, have been in court yeah. the entire right. time. Right. Um, but what Trump has done is he's exposed and every day yeah. makes it about, you know, it, uh, I, I even forgot the last thing that he tweeted about, you know, he's completely forgotten that COVID exists. We're not know, talking about it all anymore. Tragedy. Yeah. Real um, tragedy is the people who won't make it, who who, who are dead, who didn't need to be. Yeah. Right, you know? I mean, right. even his followers were like, I'm not wearing a mask because I'm a Trump supporter. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. What? And then I think this is, about- I do think that this is the this is kind of like the monster that we all need to purge, right? Kind this of like what we were talking about yeah. just for individual yeah. our own individual recovery. Our country is you in the hospital bed looking at the fireworks on yes. New Year's Eve. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. that's what yes. our country is right well, now. I I didn't understand that re- systemic racism was I understood it still existed but not to this level. I didn't understand how tragic the education system is in this country Mm -hmm. and how truly uneducated unfortunately a huge portion of this country is and and how they've they've been locked out of economic opportunity for the last 400 years you know but but also how much but all of us are a part of the system right and so there's people who are like grossly uneducated and want to be you know kind of willfully ignorant but all, yeah. but all of us too, we were a part of that system. And so for mm-hmm. us and to ha- be able to model what that looks like, and how, how to you, turn inward and confront that. Right. And, and how do you talk about dismantling yeah. a system you've benefited from? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, that's yeah. the tricky thing too. All right. We have yeah. two more minutes. Kristen, I adore you. You've been so nice to me over the years. You Aww. you saved my ass one year at a party in 1999. What? Um, so um, Madonna's brother was being a total dick to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. This story's already staying in. Chris Ciccone. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hit, fucking hate him. So he wrote a tell all about Madonna because um, yeah, I remember he, that. he had a big Coke problem and he ran out of money and he yeah. wanted to make some money and he totally like ratted her out on everything. Yeah, nice guy. So, nice um, guy. Chris was the type of person who I would meet at a party a billion times. So yeah. in 1999, our friend Dan Jinks, who went to NYU oh, yeah. with us, produced huh? American Beauty. The party yeah. was at Chris Ciccone's, uh place. 
And he'd always, uh-huh. you know, at, you know, Madonna yeah. bought him a club at one time that he ran to the ground. Uh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I had just done Dharma and Greg. Um, I had mm. been on Broadway with Lithgow. I yeah. went to NYU with you. Mm-hmm. And who else show up? So, and I had just done, um, I said, mentioned Dharma and Greg. So it's Thomas yeah. Gibson, you and Dan all converge on me at the same time. Aww. How are you? What's going on? Oh, and I think right. you even got a drink from me from the bar. And, and we were talking and, <laughs> and we were a laughing. couple for myself. Yes. And then Chris, Chris Chicane looked over at me like, oh, it knows people. <laughs> it- <laughs> It, and then started going, Alec, how are you? And I was like, fuck you, yeah. oh fucking God. bitch. Oh, I'm so glad. Get uh, the fuck away from me. Wow. Because oh, it was kind awesome. of like, I wasn't, it was like all of a sudden three incredibly people of the moment were talking mm-hmm. to me as a peer. Uh, and yeah. that's what changed it. So yeah. yeah, Christian, on every episode, we have the hot message of the day. So uh, do you have a message for everyone out there listening? Well, Don't give up because guess what? In five minutes, it'll feel different. And get my book. And I'm not saying that to sell a book because I'm never going to see another dime from it. I promise you. But if you are struggling, honestly, it might make you feel a little less alone. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I would say is just reach out. Reach out whenever you can because there are people you'll find someone who will listen and who will hear you. And then you'll be that for someone else. Yeah. That's great. Pay it forward. Yeah. And then just play this over and over. Yeah, yeah. You, you, need, you, you need to start wearing a tiara because you're Miss America to me now. I oh, that's right, darling. You. Oh, so, thanks, you guys. So, this was so um, fun. So much fun. Kristen, thank you so much. We end each show with our own hot mess message. And this week, it goes a little something like this. The first step in recovering from being a hot mess is admitting you're a hot mess. Life's messy, so let's normalize it. Kristen, where can we find you on your socials? Uh, I don't really do anything except Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm the Kristen Johnson. No, the Kristen J. Are you? You were originally KJ the smartass. When did that change? I know. I changed it because I grow up. I was, I was like, <laughs> I don't need to be a smartass anymore. <laughs> oh, my God, Matthew. What a great show. I feel so much better now. Mm, we should get my bill. Say what now? Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen to Alec Mappa, Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. On my socials, you can find me at Alec Mappa at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on all the same. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 